This podcast is produced by Arts Council England. For more content like this, visit artscouncil.org.uk or soundcloud.com forward slash Arts Council England. I have an overwhelming desire to call you all Grandma. Business partnerships, what a headache. Trustee and artistic leaders need to be donors. Grandma. Hello, I'm Jenny Spittle, Director of Leadership and Organisational Development at Arts Council England. We're coming to you today from the London event in a series of Catalyst Arts, Fundraising and Capacity Building Workshops. The aim of this series of workshops is to help arts organisations make a step change in their existing fundraising capacity. Catalyst Arts is an investment programme to help arts organisations access more funding via private giving. For more information on this investment programme, visit our website catalyst-artsandheritage.org.uk. Good morning, everybody, and a huge welcome to you all. Thank you very, very much for coming early in the morning to the Imperial War Museum. Um, I'm Veronica Wadley. I'm chairman of the Arts Council London. So let me just put the, the day in a little bit of a political context. Um, as you'll all know, the, the government and the um, culture secretary has announced a program for encouraging philanthropy. And he um, issued his 10-point plan at the end of last year with, with some really important um, uh, markers for the way ahead of how philanthropy can be boosted. And of course, the Arts Council is very keen to help everybody find ways of sourcing new revenue and really supporting the wonderful work that you all do. And uh, we look forward to hearing from you as well as hearing from our panel. So I'm going to hand over first to Ginny Spittle, who is uh, recently joined the Arts Council and um, is a dynamo from the private sector, who is going to say a few words about the day and the background to what we're talking about today. So thank you very much. Uh, good morning, everybody, and um, welcome. Um, in the context of the government, the coalition government coming in last year and the new political agenda around giving and the Secretary of State's wish particularly to enhance philanthropy, um, we did some work in the Arts Council and did some research over, over about 18 months, which resulted in Alan Davies' report, which offered an analysis of the situation concerning philanthropy around the country. What it also came to the conclusion was that endowments, although um, a very worthwhile venture, uh, was not appropriate for most of the arts sector in this country. So when the investment was decided from the government to invest in endowments, um, we took a decision in the Arts Council that we would also come in with some significant lottery money, in addition to the uh, government's um, money and we would take it to the next couple of levels where we felt it was going to be more of value to most of the arts organisations in this country. Um, so the, we announced a sum that we would spend and this of course has turned into Catalyst um, which I'm now going to try and talk a bit about the Catalyst in the context of this, of this overall um, mission to increase philanthropy. So the government came up with 15 million for Catalyst Arts Endowments and we added 10 million of lottery money to that so we've got 25 million for endowments. We've got 30 million of pure lottery money for the capacity building and match funding scheme 
and we've got 7 million for the one that's going to be announced in the new year, the 7 million pot. Now, the capacity building and match funding scheme has caused quite a lot of debate and discussion, and um, I'd like to make sure I really try and nail and explain it here. Organisational resilience, diversifying income streams from earned income, corporate sponsorship, all this is good stuff. This is all around capacity building. And the sort of awards that we're going to have available will be encouraging you to do things in all these areas, but particularly in private giving. When it comes to getting some match funding in, we have to meet the agenda, which is around philanthropy. Therefore, for match funding, the money needs to come from private giving. So we're talking about capacity building, which is the whole encompassing area, as I said, earned income, corporate sponsorship, private giving. Within that, actual match funding for endowments and for this scheme as well is around attracting new money from philanthropy, from trusts, from foundations, from private donors, from friends schemes and so on. And we'll talk more about that in greater detail during the day. It is all around hoping to make a step change in your capacity, as I said. Um, the awards will very much fund capacity building in year one. We hope people will start match funding in year two, and we expect year three to be completely match funding. And we don't have an advisory panel um, uh, assessing or looking or recommending or advising um, on the applications for this. It's all done in-house, and it's very much done at regional level with a priority list from area level, and then just the final decision going through um, the executive board of the Arts Council. So the smaller scheme in the new year, no match funding needed. This is very much to help organisations who perhaps have been completely reliant on public funding up until now um, to make a start um, in building some capacity in fundraising. Um, so it will be a simple one-off awards. It will be run very much like Grants for the Arts is run. Straightforward application process, rolling programme over two years, run by The Hive in Manchester, and very much along the same lines as Grants for the Arts. So pretty much light touch, stick an application in, say what you want to use it for, what kind of capacity building you want to do, and it will be pretty, pretty straightforward. And we expect the awards to be um, around the 20,000 mark between about 15 and 25,000, according to what you put in for. Okay, it may be to invest in some donor screening, some platforms, some databases. It may be to get a fundraiser in. It may be to free up some time of um, board's time to be out there networking and trying to fundraise, to do even to free up some time to do some basic stuff in the, in the office. It's whatever you feel is the best way of building some capacity. Okay. Thank you very much, Janine. Um, well, I've, I came initially because I'm interested in the Catalyst Scheme and I wanted to find out more about it, um, but also to learn more about sort of professional fundraising. Um, it's always good to, to get new tips on fundraising. I'm here to, uh, to listen and some, steal some ideas. So now I'm going to hold a hand over to Robert Dufferton from the Paul Hamlin Foundation, who will give us a perspective from, from a foundation and I'm sure enlighten us all. Good, thank you. Some of the challenges facing the arts sector. Broadly, people think there's about £10 billion a year of total individual giving in the UK. And of that amount, 
think the individual giving to the arts is about 4% of that 10 billion, sort of between 3 and 400 million. So what are the opportunities coming from that? I think there are some great opportunities in philanthropy generally, and some specifically for the arts. I think um, there are opportunities around older donors and women donors. Those are both important areas where there's potential for growth. There's also the growth of localism. I think there's going to be a much more sense of we, in our community, we're taking responsibility we need to engage with the institutions that build our community. And I think arts organisations could find that serves the development of their philanthropic income very well. But can you really personalise the case? And that means you've really got to have people around you uh, who are absolutely passionate about fundraising. And I know plenty of people who are passionate, great artistic leaders. They're not actually passionate about fundraising. And I think that's something that, within your organisation, it may take time to try and change that culture. The Arts Council's job is to try and encourage a culture of giving, and at a national level, that's what others are doing. But within your organisation, it's about a culture of asking. That's what's going to get money in. Needs to be sufficient investment in this. I mean, you've got to look at the costs of what you're going to do and make sure you can robust, uh, resource this. And it's fantastic that the Catalyst Scheme is here to help. The trustee and artistic leaders of organisations need to be involved. I actually believe strongly as donors. I think if you're asking other people for money, you've got to be a donor yourself, giving according to your means. I know that that throws up challenges for many organisations whose trustees have joined the board often with the idea, I'm giving my time, not my money. Uh, and it was perhaps not made clear to them. But I think as you recruit new trustees, I think you've got an opportunity to change that approach. So I believe very firmly that everybody has the capacity to give, and it should be according to their means, and it's not a substitute uh, to say that I'm giving my time. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Robert. You know, we've just been presented with an opportunity to uh, understand the director of Paul Hamlin's approach and actually insight into some of the ways in which philanthropy can be managed. And I think management of philanthropy is probably one of the things I'm trying to keep get out of this session. The main lessons for Writers' Centre Norwich and for my organisation is to be very clear about the relationships that we want to make with individual givers in the philanthropic sector and how we plan and make a strategic plan to develop and sustain those relationships. Um, my name's Jennifer Davis. I am Development Director at the Philharmonia Orchestra, resident at the Royal Festival Hall, but also at five venues and cities across the UK. Um, I've been invited to talk to you today about strategy, structures and systems. So namely, how to map out your fundraising strategy, what structures you need to put in place in order to enable your strategy to take off and start generating income for your arts organisation, and what systems should be implemented across your organisation. Okay, the fundraising strategy. If you take the following four points as starting points, extrapolate them out, you will have the skeleton of a very comprehensive fundraising strategy that's far-reaching, covers many different sources of potential income, 
and that will be the strongest argument for the need to put extra resources into your area. So, number one, what? You have to understand your arts organisation and that takes time. You need to be able to define what you're fundraising for. So you need to understand the culture of the arts organisation and all the enormous breadth of activity you're offering and what elements of that you can attract income for. You need to know what you're fundraising for. Secondly, the method. You need to agree on a fundraising technique and this needs to permeate every strand of your fundraising strategy. And I'm convinced that for 100% of people in this room, it will be relationship-based technique fundraising. This is critical. Relationships with individuals, relationships with businesses, most crucially, relationships with committees and your board members that are going to open those doors. Number three, the detail. Where are the opportunities? You need to set realistic budgeted targets across the four main areas of fundraising and also realistic expenditure. It's going to cost money, but you're going to prove through your strategy that there will be a serious return on the investment. And how are you going to do this? You need more people or you need more resources and you need more staff. And how are you going to win that argument? Through your strategy. And the bad news is you haven't got time to write a strategy because you're too busy trying to madly raise money and keep the show on the road. How do you do it? You have to do it at weekends and in the evenings after the baby's gone to bed, and that's the reality. Basically, you haven't got time to write one, but you have to, and it will transform your fundraising. Okay, the four main areas of fundraising. Individual giving, trusts and foundations, business partnerships, and events. So... Individual giving. Um, everybody's always talking about individual giving and um, pyramids. And these things bore me slightly, but I suppose it's slightly useful to actually make sure you're not missing everything if you think about a pyramid. Um, top of the pyramid, major donor. Bread and butter, second rung down. These are our higher level membership schemes. What was traditionally the bottom rung, lower level membership scheme. Ideally, the thousands of people that want to join as friends, that want to give you £50 a year, less, £35 a year, in order for a range of benefits, your bread and butter. The problem with a pyramid is you're going to neglect the outside. The major campaign is really important because if you identify something that you can really capture people's imagination with throughout your organisation, you can engage everybody from your major donor down to the person giving you £3 at point of sale. Um, number two, trusts and foundations. Um, trusts usually, usually, not always, but usually fund non-core work. Common misconceptions. I love trust and foundations. This is where I started. This was my specialism. And there was a misconception that a trust and foundation fundraiser was very bookish, beering away at their computer and flicking through their, their book and completely isolated and working in isolation. It's rot. If your trust and foundations person is doing that, they're not doing their job properly. This is the greatest advocate for fundraising in your arts organisation. They should be out talking to everybody within your arts organisation, getting to grips with the entire raft of your programme and being an ambassador for what the fundraising team can achieve if they get to know your work better. So that person is there on the grassroots, seeing the workshops and getting to know what your arts organisation is all about and communicating that passion to the people that can potentially support your work. Business partnerships. What a headache. Um, problematic, time-consuming, and the rot has been setting in for many years. Um, fourthly, special events. Um, 
these are crucial and they're time-consuming, but these are where your donors of the future are coming from, and it's also that crucial point of contact with your donors throughout the year. Okay, shooting on. Um, resources. What do we need to do to make all of this happen? We need to manage expectations within the organisation because it takes time. Um, it'll take at least a year to build capacity in order to start seeing a return on, on, on your investment. Um, Okay, staffing. Um, Prioritise the fundraising area of greatest potential. It's individual giving. It is. It's individual giving. This is the area of growth and this is the area where you can increase your income generation. Um, they need to be focusing on prospecting, acquisition, servicing, increased involvement. It's a big job. DSC resources, I'm sure we all know about the Directory of Social Change, Guide to the Grant Making Trusts, trustfunding.org, crucial. Absolutely have to have that, have to have it for fundraising effectively from trusts and foundations. Um, and wider research, okay. Um, the free papers, FT, um, the bulletins, British American Business, Arts and Business Resources, tapping into all of that to keep up to date with who's doing what in your area. Um, systems and structures in place for donor management. Okay, so if you're going to put your resources into individual giving, when assessing what you need, keep bringing it back to three points. Acquisition, retention, increased giving. Acquisition. Where are your donors of the future coming from? Your box office, your sales team, the visitors to your arts organisation. Retention, once you've got them, look after them. Develop your individual giving schemes. Once you've got them, you need to move them up the ladder. Okay, conclusion. Um, this points to increased staffing. It, it points to brilliant liaison with your committees or your boards. CRM system, you need a decent fundraising database to track who you're talking to, your prospecting, where you're going to with them, when they last gave, when you want them to give. HMRC VAT advice, crucial that we've touched upon. You need some print, you need to be able to communicate to people in writing what it is that you're trying to do. Hopefully some online facility for giving or a point of sale donation at the point of buying a ticket. Um, these are all things which, 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 which require investment, that don't come straight away, that cost money but from which you will see a return ultimately and organisation-wide buying, cultural change that I'll finish upon. Before I do, the role of the board critical for relationship-based fundraising. Um, I'm always slightly cautious about saying everybody on the board should give. Um, their role is also to introduce new people who could potentially give to you, businesses, individuals, figurehead access. If you know somebody who, uh, Tiggy Pinkington Smythe, who played croquet with Prince William when they were nine and they're still best friends, marvellous, get them on your board. Um, caution, big red warning triangle, um, be very clear on the mission of your board. They need to understand what they're there for, otherwise they'll become frustrated and feel as though they're not able to support you in the way that they should be doing. Remit, very, very clear. We want, we'd like you to introduce two people this year. We'd like you to find us a corporate member. We'd like you to give us ten names for our new membership scheme. Finally, culture change. How do you infuse everybody in your organisation with the importance of fundraising? It's your job. In the same way that you get your supporters to be passionate about your work, it's the same technique to get your culture, culture of your organisation behind you. 
Do it through your strategy. Your strategy is going to outline every area of your arts organisation's work and how you can grow each of those areas. How wonderful for the people that are delivering your programme. Fulfil this, we'll be able to raise more money and do more with your areas of your programme. But get everybody involved and make sure everybody's aware of what you're trying to achieve. I hope that's been helpful. It's an enormous whistle-stop tour. Um, the importance of the strategy, I think, can transform your organisation. And I think it's the key, in a way, to thinking about the whole catalyst process because this is your argument. This is the way that you're going to raise the money. This is the way that you're going to have a return on investment. Thank you very much indeed. Right, the most useful thing so far is uh, being able to pick out practical stuff. It's just really easy to implement. And a few of those things we can take home and start them straight away. Um, yeah, I've met some fascinating people from the ICA, from other, from theatres and art forms. I've got a notebook, I've got a two and a half pages full of individual ideas I think that I will take back and start talking about. And I've just been, I've been really surprised at how much useful information I've got in such a short time. I don't think Philip needs introducing because I think he's very well known um, from art, Philip Spedding from Arts and Business. So um, I'll pass Thank you over to Philip. Thank you very much. I have an overwhelming desire to call you all Grandma because over the next 20 minutes I am going to show you a metaphorical egg and tell you how to suck it. Uh, and I've been asked to talk about making the ask and donor care. And it really is, bluntly speaking, not much more complex than being nice to people. Um, if it's about being nice to people, it's about the nature of donor motivation. What on earth has persuaded someone to hand some of their hard-earned money over to you? Why do they want to give you that cash? Understand that motivation, and I think both donor care um, and indeed the ask naturally follow through uh, from that knowledge. Uh, when uh, I was looking into all of this, I, I found various uh, reports about what inspires us or what, what filters our desire to give money. Um, and apparently, according to psychologists, there are four things that go through our brains when someone asks us to give money. The first one is the extrinsic factors. Who are they? Who are they? Their, their age, their gender, um, their religion. The next ones are the intrinsic factors. What do they think about? Amongst those is guilt. Guilt is an incredibly hard trigger for the arts to use. The next one, though, is what links them to the cause, the fit with self, which is, I think, the key area that the arts do use. The vast majority of people who are going to give you money have already walked through your doors. Your donors already know you. And that is where the fit with self becomes very important. And then finally, the ask. How are they asked? Which we'll come back to in a second. Um, extrinsic factors. Who do you think gives more money, the young or the old? Thank you. The old. Excellent. Um, and you're right. Um, but I think there's another important thing that's happening here. We are seeing the end of patrician philanthropy. We're seeing the end of the time which people will give you money because they love you to bits and they trust you to bits to go off and spend the money appropriately. The younger want to know what you're going to do with the cash. Uh, who gives more, men or women? Women. Women. So women always say that very loudly. Men never stand up for themselves. Um, and actually the women are right. Um, but there's another important difference. Women tend to give smaller sums to more charities. Men tend to like to give one big check to a thing, and, and there's a whole psychology and that which we won't go into. Um, <laughs> but the important thing is, if you're approaching a couple 
and you're doing a big capital campaign, who do you smile at first, the man or the woman? If you're producing a friend's leaflet, what is the type of person it's aimed at, the man or the woman? Uh, who gives more, the poor or the rich? Well, thank you, whoever said rich. Um, sort of, for both. The poor tend to give a bigger percentage of their wealth. The rich give more money, um, which is good because the arts tend to approach, uh, attract the rich. But there's another important difference. The poor tend to give to need. This child is starving. Please give us money, and we can feed the child. The rich tend to prefer solutions. This child is starving, so please buy the child a goat. Which is an interesting thing. If, if the demographic you're largely approaching are the wealthier end of society, are you talking about need or are you asking about solutions? Need versus solution. So, that's why people support charities in general. Why do I think they support the arts? I think there is a glorious, glorious, fabulous, love them to bits group of people who give money because they care about the arts happening and they want to support it. Then there's a group of people who give because they want the benefits. They want the tickets. They want their name. They want something. And then finally, I would argue there's a group of people who actually do it to be seen to be doing it. I know from the Almeida, I'd see people look at the board, look at the other names up there, and go, I should be up there. The interesting thing here is I think there's a certain amount of schizophrenia out there. A lot of people, a lot of people in the arts think that donors give just for the benefits, and then find out that actually most of the donors don't take up the benefits. Um, a few years ago, we sent, unsolicited, 20 checks of 50 quid each to a group of museums in the West Midlands. This was part of something we were doing with the MLA. This is how they responded. 20% wrote a thank you letter within the first week, which is absolutely brilliant. 20, only 20% wanted to keep in touch with the donor. Only 20%. An unsolicited gift, 50 quid through the door, and 80% said, yeah, fine, whatever. We won't send you anything. We won't let you know what we're doing. 6% um, offered to publicly acknowledge, and 6% went back saying, well, why did you become an annual donor to us? And 5% never even managed to send a thank you letter. Be nice to people. It sounds very simple, but it's amazing how often it doesn't work. Um, the ask, uh, the, the key bit in this, I would say, a good ask needs to be clear, specific, immediate, unambiguous, and easy to follow through with a gift. Um, a few years ago, I was at an event at the Natural History Museum. In the basement of the Natural History Museum, there was a sort of cellar room with tanks full of formaldehyde and fish. And we met the fish man at the Natural History Museum. We were sort of shunted down into groups to meet the fish man. And he took a lid off one of the tanks, and he looked into the tank, and he started to explain the story of the fish. And he was one of God's great communicators. After about 10 minutes, we loved him. We, he was showing us a world we had no idea about. And if at the end of that, there'd been someone around the corner saying, the fishman needs another 10 tanks, we're trying to raise money tonight for them, they would have easily surpassed the target. Who are your fishmen? Who are the people that are going to be able to communicate about your organization? It could be the artistic director. I've also heard of a, a story in which a group of um, donors were taken around a theater. They met the guy that lifts the scenery. He needed a machine. By the end of the tour, a donor had written a check for him to buy the machine. Who are your fishmen? Um, having asked, say thank you. Say thank you again and again and again and again and again. Um, 
And ultimately, this is about relationship development. All good fundraising is about relationship development. Um, all good fundraising is about understanding that it's about them and it's not about you, but it's about relationship development, making them a part of the family, giving them the good news, giving them the bad news, showing them things that the ordinary public don't get to see. That's what really comes down to good donor care. Um, I'm going to finish with a quick quote from this piece of research. Um, this is from an arts patron. I'm sure I have been a friend or a patron along the way and have followed the usual steps in giving more and getting more involved, being brought closer in. But this seemed a natural development, and I didn't feel imposed upon at any point. Sometimes I think this was achieved through professionalism, sometimes exactly the opposite. Sometimes the staff seemed quite amateur. But charming and well-meaning and passionate. And that gets the same result. And if there is one word I have seen time and again around philanthropy, it is passion. This is about finding the astonishing passion that you have for your organizations and going out there and finding people who can share that passion and getting the fire in your eyes to be the fire in their eyes and then making sure there's nothing left in their wallet as they walk away. Um, it, 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 you've, it's all there. Um, thank you very much for listening to me. The, the main thing I would think I would take away from today is, is this business, uh, a phrase I hadn't learned before, which is the culture of asking, because we haven't had that before. I think they've had a really good selection of speakers today, actually. There's been people who've been inspiring, there's been people who've been very pragmatic, and there's a, a huge range of expertise in the room as delegates as well, so it's been good to sit around a table with other people and hear what they've got to say. This podcast is produced by Arts Council England. For more content like this, visit artscouncil.org.uk or soundcloud.com forward slash Arts Council England.